Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. I am your host, Haley Crusher Kane from the band Haley and the Crushers, which is why my podcast is a little bit late this month. Um, I actually wanted to have this out last month, but as you may know, my album Cool Lame came out late last month in September 2018 um, on Eccentric Pop Records, and it's been a freaking whirlwind of promotion, touring, and just weird internet tasks that go along with putting out an album. It's been so cool. Like, thank you guys. Thank you to everyone that came out to the album release show at Boo Boo Records. Thanks to all the bands we've played with on the road so far. We do have some dates coming up, and I would be remiss to not let you know about them now. Um, We are playing in San Luis Obispo on October 27th, San Francisco on October 30th, Portland November 1st and November 2nd, and we are capping off our album release tour um, on November 3rd in Seattle. So if you want information about that, you know where to go. Just find us on Instagram at Haley and the Crushers or at our website, HaleyandTheCrushers.com, or just call me. I'll just give you my cell phone number. You can just text me. It's fine. <laughs> Actually, my cell phone number is out there. So um, anyone who wants to contact me can. Anyways, today is a very, very, very special day episode 23, where I finally get to celebrate a lovely, lovely human, Andy Arno, who I met on the internet, I think like a, almost a year ago, and is a freaking champion, champion of women in music, um, a super sweet person. And I like to think that today, Andy brings the sparkle, while her partner in life and in crime, Caitlin Montclair, brings the destroy. These girls have become one of my favorite couples. Just their dynamic is off the charts. So fun to talk to. So hilarious. So heartwarming. And I really love that they're really out to help each other. And they have this amazing symbiotic relationship where Andy's like on the internet doing all this crazy networking and has all these professional skills in the industry. And Caitlin is just this amazing live performer who brings a lot of authenticity and just being a rock star. So, and she is, she's a total rock star. Um, Andy is the founder of Women That Rock, which you can find on Instagram at Women That Rock. And Caitlin is uh, the rock and roller behind her band, Monty. Uh, Monty's album, Bad Sick Love, just came out last month. Like I said, it is amazing. Go stream it on Spotify, go support it and pay for it on Bandcamp. Um, And we chatted about the album, of course, and you're going to hear a ton of songs from the album. We also chatted about Christina versus Britney. I have a little bit of a a Britney Spears impression in here that you may or may not want to stick around for. Um, We talked about the idea about the end of female fronted as a genre and the rock in a hard place a lot of women feel like they're in because on one side, you don't really want to make it all about your gender. I mean, it's about the music. Duh. But on the other side, you know, you also want to change things. You also want to empower more people around you. So we do go there. We go deep. We go shallow. <laughs> like a good conversation should. Um, for all the album song credits, because Monty did provide me with a bunch of songs and I didn't even want to decide. I just wanted to play them all. Stick around to the end and I will tell you which songs were played. 
Um, I just had a great time chatting with these two. Uh, we share just a lot of things in common. We share a love of rat dogs, avocado toast, and come on, duh, empowering women to be their best and to fucking go for it. Push me around So I took him to a place no one would hear a sound Here we are, finally, in the real world, sort of. So I just got through listening to most of um, Bad Sick Love, which I love. It's amazing. It's like good time rock and roll, but obviously with a more uh, sinister and tongue-in-cheek lyrical content, which I love. Um, I just want to get straight to the music right now because I'm a music person, as you both know. And uh, how did you produce this? It sounds so good. All right, thank you. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, I wrote all these songs, well, not all of them, most of them a long time ago, I guess like maybe five, six years ago, and I've always had them kind of in the works, and I never was really ready to release, or I wasn't ready because I wasn't satisfied with how things were sounding. And um, so, I guess recently when I started this new project, I really was kind of gunning for a full, great sounding project that's like what something that I'm proud of in the long run. Um, because I haven't really felt proud of something and the way that it sounded before this EP and something that I've released anyway, like on a solo level. So I contacted my friend Chris Krasnow, who is this amazing multi-instrumentalist, producer, engineer, and he's been my friend for a long time, uh, like maybe five years, and I've worked with him on previous projects. Um, so I've known about him and his work, and I kind of trusted it. Um, so I used him to record the drums, and we recorded and tracked it, and. Um, I did all of the guitar work and the bass and the vocals and Andy helped kind of direct some things and like I would ask for some, you know, feedback and, you know, what's sounding better and the AB stuff together so it was nice to have Andy in the studio there as well. We did a lot of vocal comping. Right. A lot. Because <laughs> I'm like this super perfectionist. I hate releasing things I'm not proud of. I like, hate the sound of my own voice also, so like nothing's ever perfect to me. So Andy was also there kind of reining me in, being like, we need to stop and move on. Yeah.
fucking bitch! I love this idea of you two working together as partners in more ways than one. And I want to get there because it's that is so beautiful and so good to have a partner that understands where your limitations and maybe where your psychoses are a little bit when you're a little bit perfectionist. Um, but real quickly, just because we have so many people that are, you know, musicians and guitarists and bass players and drummers that listen Tell me about how you um, kind of got into playing guitar because you totally shred and you're just like wicked good. So please enlighten us. Oh, wow. Well, I guess music has always been a major part of my life. I've been, uh, I guess my parents, it starts with my parents and my grandparents. My grandmother was a pianist and a ballroom dancer, so and she was always taking me to shows or we were always going to Broadway shows and my mother too. And she played piano, and she was a disc jockey in college, so I was always exposed to music. And my dad was a working musician throughout most of his life. He was a bass player, and he was a, in a pretty big band in the 60s, a lot of like heavy rock and roll. So I got into the Beatles, and then I got into Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, and I started getting a little heavier. And I, I had this, like, I listened to everything. I had this weird phase of, like, listening to gangster rap and stuff like that. Like, just, like, weird thing. Like, I, I do, I listen to everything. I loved Ella Fitzgerald's growing up, so, like, jazz classics, too, like, growing up with that. I've seen the photos of her gangster rap phase. It was a bad look. What was the fashion? It oh, great. It, it was, was exactly what you can imagine. It was, like, baggy carpenter jeans, and, chain wallets. And, okay, the occasional do-rag. No do-rag, bandanas, bandanas, bandanas. Bandana, bandana, bandana. It was more. It was more like a limp biscuit than, than a gangster rap. Rolling, 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 rolling. Come on! Yeah, it was bad. It was pretty bad in porn and all this shit I used to listen to. But then I started to really listen to a lot of, of metal, and I, I would sit down. I would listen to Iron Maiden and Megadeth and Metallica and Motorhead, all these bands, and, and that just kept kept me going into the Misfits and punk rock and new like 90s punk rock no effect so i would sit down and i would turn on anything that i was listening to at the time and i would learn it i would just sit down and i would listen to it and i would teach myself and i wouldn't like stop until it was perfect up to speed and it would take like a few hours but it would happen and i guess i had very supportive parents who were musical people who just always told me to keep playing music and to not stop I mean, I guess the worst thing I could have done was to just do something I hated for my entire life. Yeah. I love that you just sat and listened or just listened to music. And did you ever like go online and do like the tabs? Because I, I have like a whole folder full of like punk tabs that I learned as like a teenager. And I look back now and it's like Black Flag, like Ramones. I could have probably learned this myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, tab I took guitar lessons. 
from, I guess, the time I was 10 years old, and I took them on and off throughout my life at various intervals. Um, but I mostly am self-taught, minus the, you know. That's amazing. Kid. That's I also, I mean, I amazing. Playing all kinds of mu- musical instruments, like violin for five years, piano, and bass, and drums, and always wanted to just have something to mess around with. Um, like whether it was an instrument or something percussive to fuss with. Yeah. And um, I a school for audio engineering too, so I was always in a studio and around people playing. That's great, and there's so few women in the audio field. Like I love that. So do you? Um, I want to move on a little bit, but do you also work in the audio like engineering field at all? I did for a while. I do my own kind of production stuff right now. I record cool. my demos. I would love to record stuff for other people. Um, I do some live sound, but I've, I've been mostly focusing on my own musical career. It shows. I mean, all your, lo- all your love is going into this because you can really hear it. It is damn near perfect, so... Thank you, thank you. I want to... Sorry, I'm so sorry. I was going to say because of the production. Because I just wanted to give another shout-out. Go for it. Just uh, Blackburn Mastering. Kevin Blackburn really, like, made this thing pop. So everything happens in mixing. is projected in mastering. It just makes makes it sound great. Yeah. Mastering is so important. And this latest record I did, we had a vinyl mastering after the last mastering. So it was like a... We got the lacquer. We got to see how the different grooves were going to make, you know, a different impact. And mastering is a mind fuck, though, because what is it? It's fucking magic. I don't know. <laughs> but it's so important. It's like it's a magic mushroom. You just have it has to happen at some point. Anywho, I would like to move on. Andy, Andy, Andy. Sorry yeah. to keep you waiting. Um Please tell me how you two met. Um, tell our listeners how you two met, because I actually know how you two met. And also, can you talk a little bit about Women That Rock and how that has kind of um, evolved? I mean, I know that you've been doing it for a couple years now, and I see all of the amazing showcases you're doing and the live events. And um, get me up to speed on what's going on. Sure. So, well, the first thing I'll say is Women That Rock is only like eight or nine months old. What? No. Yeah. Wait, did we meet nine months ago? Yeah. We and we met like right at the beginning. Oh my god, I thought I had been like a year and a half or something, because you're doing so much. We are doing so much. Um, but no, it's it's still kind of a baby. Like we're still under a year, which is crazy. Um how did well, okay, I guess I'll I'll back into that. So Caitlin and I met online um on an app called Her. And we were both sort of out of, like, very intense, long-term relationships, both of which had ended really traumatically. We were both kind of, like, not really looking for necessarily anything and then found each other and somehow it became something, um, as things often do. Um, We actually had a really terrible first date, like, horrible first date. I want to hear it first day. I mean, you know, I'll spare you some of the details, but it, it wasn't great. I didn't really like her. She didn't really like me. Things got messy. It was just like, it was just not a great night. Caitlin got too drunk. I was not impressed. Like, it was <laughs> just for everybody all around. Yeah, it was just not great. So anyway, but, but, but somehow she convinced me to go 
and have drinks with her a second time, sort of under the guise of, like, an apology drink for, like, a bad first date. And then somehow she convinced me to come see her play a show. I'm so manipulative. <laughs> so she had me come see a show, and it was seeing her in that context like really changed how I felt towards her. Um, what was the what was the venue? The venue was this little club in New York City called Sidewalk Cafe, and it's this like weird '80s throwback space. Um, and Caitlin was playing in a punk band there at the time, and like seeing her doing her thing. And I'll also say she played guitar for me on our first date after she, she spent like maybe three weeks telling me about her guitar playing and her music. And then, as I said, proceeded to drink too much on the date and then couldn't play her guitar. So basically, Caitlin, you're like a douchey white bro guy. It's like, she's kind of like a I have you trapped in my dorm room and now I'm going to play a song for you. Oh, wait, I'm too wasted. Right. It was kind of like, what's a G chord? Like, what is what is this thing in my hands? Like, it's really rough. And so then seeing you, you know, sober, like doing her thing and so in her element, and like it just sort of changed everything. And then before I knew it, I was inviting her back to my place, and we spent like the whole night together, and we spent the last year and a half together, basically ever since. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it turned around like pretty quickly. Power and music. the power of music to woo women, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's your best trick. So, and then I guess, I don't know, it was like last winter-ish. I, I mean, I've been working in the music business since I was really, really little. I started as a jingle singer as a child, like literally singing commercial jingles as a kid. So, like, that was my entry into the music space, and then I had, like, a whole lifetime of working in different areas of the industry, moving from performing more into the business. Um, I've worked in music promotions. I've worked in radio. I've worked in event planning. I've worked for the Recording Academy. I've worked in digital marketing. I've worked sort of all over the map and always knew that I wanted to work in music, but didn't really know exactly what it was going to look like. Um, and I kept feeling like I was chasing an invisible goal like I, I I couldn't picture it exactly and about nine months ago I guess I was sort of um working part-time advertising and part-time in music and I was man helping manage a few bands and one night we were on the couch in Caitlin's apartment we were just talking about life and music and our careers and and Caitlin sort of encouraged me to take on a project for myself so you know to take the network of musicians that I had and um, specifically kind of focusing on how many uh, women I knew in music and how what I was seeing, the trend I was seeing with artists, which I was talking to her about, was that artists, particularly women, needed a way to get their name out there. Like, the biggest obstacle for artists isn't so much creating the content, it's about getting the content heard and being recognized and being celebrated. And so many of the artists I was working with were trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to release this EP and have it mean anything? How are we going to, you know, have anybody get their eyes and ears on this? And so I kind of decided that rather than managing one or two or three bands and managing everything for them, I'd rather kind of create a, a, a machine that can help so many artists and help kind of like break through the clutter and be a promotional outlet that's approachable and kind of talks to everyone rather than being sort of, you know, a, a big entity that 
you have to just like submit through a submission form and nobody ever gets back to you and you're not talking to a real human. Yeah, yeah. I've been through those. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of disenchanted with like working for other people and really ready to sort of put on my entrepreneurial pants. Um, and she really encouraged me to take that and, and run with it. And I did. The moment, you know, when I started Women That Rock, we literally were sitting on Caitlin's couch and I found the name on Instagram. I was like, all right, I'm going to start a page. Let's see what happens. Started a page, made like a stupid little icon on like Caitlin's Photoshop that took five minutes and sent texts to all my girlfriends who were musicians and said like, hey, I'm going to start this page. Are you cool with me featuring you? And they were all, you, you know, yeah. unanimously overwhelmed and excited. And like, sure, of course, do whatever you want. And I started, and it was like, I don't know. I thought that maybe in two or three days I'd walk away from it and be like, okay, that was fun for five seconds, but it's like not the thing I'm going to commit to. But it, my inbox went from like five messages to 20 messages to 100 messages to 300 messages to five, to, to more than I could count in like such a short span of time that it was like this huge call why do you think that that was like why do you think that it was so exponential because I think there's a need oh nothing just that there is a need but not I don't know maybe you were perfectly poised with all of your background and experience for you people believed in you like you could lift them right well I mean I try, I mean, in some ways, I feel like Women That Rock was like a spur of the moment birth. In other ways, I feel like it was sort of the product of 20 plus years of right. working in the industry. So I know how to run a social media page. I know how to do digital marketing. I know how to select images. Like, I, you know, I kind of know the way. And combined with that, I also know how to talk to and, and communicate with artists. So I made it fun. I made it approachable. People, you know, girls were, like, thrilled to find out that they didn't have to pay. That right. It was an easy process. It was just, like, tell us what you're promoting right now. Like, tell us what you're interested in. And, like, how should we listen to you? And the fact that we would actually do that. Like, actually go listen, actually like it, and then kind of just do something to help them and support them. Um, I did a lot of outreach, you know, commenting, liking, encouraging people to reach out to us. And it was just... It was truly tremendous. It was like, I couldn't believe how quickly it was just, you know, it went from nothing to just a thousand messages. And I was like, whoa. Right. But you were the catalyst. Like, I think people believed in your skill set, you know, like I could tell immediately that you had a level of professionalism that was beyond, you know, the person who, you know, makes a zine or the person, you know, not, not to talk poorly of these people, but you definitely have like that, you know, multi skill set that you need, but, but you went from Instagram though, to real life and doing these, these shows and these showcases. I mean, how did that like evolve? Yeah. So I spent like the first few months focusing mostly on digital, um, a combination of Instagram and also building a website. Um, and kind of gearing up in that way. And then I made it my goal in the new year to delve into the live event because what's important to me is like the marriage of digital and real life. Because really music is about enjoying music and live enjoyment of music is such an important part of the experience. Um, so I kind of made it my goal to start these showcases. And by we really like, I really got my but in gear, and by April, we had, like, our big first inaugural showcase 
and since then have done about one to three events a month. Wow. About the rate we're going at, which is crazy. And you had some sponsors for the last one, correct? Yeah, we've had a bunch of cool sponsors that we worked with. We've worked with um, Chipotle and Guitar Center and Bite Beauty and Harness Magazine and Audio Femme and Dapper Tomboy. I mean, like, I do a lot of sort of groundwork outreach to these brands and and currently sort of like building upon that to find some more long-term partnerships and and make it make sense i feel like you two symbolize like the online media outreach person and then like the super live visceral person that's like the live rock and then you're like the like behind the scenes situation and i think that's so symbiotic it works so well Am I on to something there? And can you describe how you guys have worked together to like both propel each other's projects as two strong-willed women with big projects that you're working on and big dreams? I mean, how do you support each other, work together? And also, I'd love to go back and talk about some of your interactions in the studio because that sounds really telling of how you can like support somebody who's your partner and also your like partner in crime and schemer. Yeah. Do you want to start? Well, Kayla and I are have very similar goals and kind of interest bases, but we're very different people. So <laughs> we complement each other really well in that way because, you know, I'm a little more level and and business minded and a little more, I would say, like of a social butterfly in the sense that I like to meet everyone. I like to like I'm the girl where we go out to dinner and I'm like striking up a conversation with like the random people next to us and Caitlin's looking at me like, why are we talking to these strangers? You know, Kate and Caitlin is the type of person who can like sit in a room and work on a Steve Vai riff for six hours and come out and be playing it. And that to me is like psychosis. Like I can't do that. And you know, Caitlin is like, so dedicated to the music and so powerful on stage and like I think you know without without Caitlin's influence I don't know that I would have come to Women That Rock like I don't know that the idea or the motivation to to do it would have come to me on my own um and I think similarly for Caitlin like a lot of the business related stuff tied to her music like I help sort of drive forward. I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm a huge mess. Well, I've known that since the first date, so. <laughs> well, I mean, like, as an artist, it's very hard to juggle everything. It's very hard to work on my social media, work on my next full-length album, find everybody to do my videos, photos, like, outreach, merch, everything. So Andy has been unbelievably instrumental in the backgrounds like the, all of the like media all of the all of the business side of things because I'm just a total wreck if it's all me it all ends up falling apart I'm a mess I'm like nothing's ever working out so she definitely grounds me and also in, in that instance helps me like dial it back stop rethink and work through which is really great yeah, and, and, and from like a, on the flip side, in terms of what Caitlin gives to me, it, it's a lot related to like the inspiration, right? Like, Kate, I always say kind of Caitlin brings music into my life. Like, I love music. I'm a music fan. I'm a singer. But Caitlin is the person in our apartment, like, 
ripping on the guitar, practicing things, but she recently got me into playing the bass. I never thought that I would be playing the bass, but, like, I'm doing that. You know, there have been nights where, like, she played, she played to me and I start crying. It's so beautiful. Like, like she brings music into the space and also has, like, given a tremendous amount to me as far as, like, my contemporary musical education. Like, I didn't grow up in a house with classic rock, really, that was in a way that was, like, taught to me from a fundamental perspective. I was, like, a pop girl. I loved pop music as a kid. Like, Were you Britney or, Britney or Christina? Oh, what a hard question. I mean, Christina. Christina. But, like, for the voice, because of the voice. You know, as, as someone who sings, Britney was, like, it was can always... do a Britney impersonation of pretty spot on. No, so can I. Right now. Oh my god. Alright, dueling Britneys, you go first. I can't do it. It's too much pressure. Alright, let me do mine. We have to do this first and we'll do dueling Britneys. Yeah. Oops, I did it again. You played with my heart. Hit me, baby, one more time. Alright, I that was a little over the top, but... I can also do an Axl Rose, um, an Axl Rose, like, like dance really good. I can do one of those. Can you sing, can you sing a jingle that you sang as a youth? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. do you remember, well, you're from California, so you might not know that. Do you know, like, the Hess truck? What the fuck is that? Well, like, so there's, there's this thing on the East Coast, it's, the company is Hess. It's Hess gasoline and oil, right? And they have this thing that they've had since, like, the 1960s, which is, like, the Hess truck. And it's, like, a toy truck that they release every Christmas for kids. I don't know why it's a big deal, but it's a big deal. And, like, really there's is. a jingle that goes along with it that I did as a child. And it goes, the Hess truck's back and it's better than ever for Christmas this year. The Hess truck's here. <laughs> wow. Here's to the tune of my boyfriend's back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, that's a claim to fame. Um, you heard it here first. Caitlin has, like, given me a ton of education in terms of punk and rock and stuff to be listening to, and it, it has encouraged me to then dig in further and find more things that I like that are my own things, and it really just helps kind of, like, surround us with music all the time. Losing my patience while losing
part of what you're about is empowering women and marginalized people, right? But also there's the element of taste and the element of what you like and then the element of like different genres of music colliding and like where you want to go with that. So I think it's good that you're really immersed in that because the the scene, I mean, I hate to make it a gender um, identifier, but it's like this this women doing music thing, whatever you want to call it, is really diverse right now. And the genres are fucking crazy. I mean, I was played in Seattle recently with like a soul rock grungy band, you know, with a woman of color singing and like, you know, there's that. And then there's like people doing crazy synth pop stuff and that's all fine and dandy. And you got bands with, you know, out transgender people doing rock and roll. And like, it's this like explosion of both like uh, identity, like, and also amazing, you know, kinds of music. So I wonder like in New York, what is, what, I mean, if if you can even touch upon what it's like in kind of your neighborhood and what you're listening to and what are the bands that you're interacting with and like, what are you kind of seeing as like different trends, you know, or is it just super diverse? Like it is out in California because we get all the crazy, like diversity in terms of sound that you can think of from like bongos and fucking violin and you know, xylophone and toy guitars and fatty cakes, the puff pastries with their fucking, yeah, they're great. Um, I talked to them yesterday and they have like that weird flute instrument and like accordion and like insanity. Like, well, I mean, I think my perspective is slightly different maybe than Caitlin's because what I'm spending so much time on is reviewing music that's coming from all different places. Okay. So I'm not only, I mean, I'm very, very tapped into the New York scene right now because of the events and all of that, but I'm also getting influences from not only all over the country, but all over the world. Like, I'm listening to people from all different countries. Like, we recently became really good friends with a performer from Malta who came to New York, and, like, before we knew, we were best friends with her, and we're going to do a Women That Rock show in Malta. Like, Wow. But I see a really big... um, sort of bubble happening in, like, the female-fronted indie rock and punk space, Um, both with white women and women of color, queer women and straight, like, you know, in, I think there's kind of this, like, desire to claim rock and roll in capacity, whether that's rock and roll in the traditional sense, whether it's more punk rock, whether it's more indie rock, whether it's more pop rock, yeah. It's female-fronted, like, we're going to take the stage and, like, be loud and be proud and do our thing. Yeah. Kind of vibe, more than anything else. Um, I'm seeing that, too. And a lot of aggression and a lot of, like, visceral, like, more more on the aggressive side, I feel like, I'm seeing out in California. Here I see all different, like, spots on the spectrum. From, like, really fun, upbeat, poppy punk rock, girl rock, like, Charlie Bliss, all the way to, like, Scissor Munch, who are, like, screamo, like, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of more gender non-conforming, trans, um, and women of color. Um, there's some really awesome, awesome, bit, like, um, the Minority Report, and, uh, and universe no there's two and university more like these bands that are just like you know badass 
women of color, um, queer women, or like just like tearing up the stage. It's really like it's empowering for people to see, and it's like. I've been in this scene a pretty long time, and I, it's been a dude's game for a while, um, especially in the punk rock hardcore scene. Um, so seeing the transformation and more and more chicks on bills is really awesome. And so I've been noticing that. Also because I've been playing so many like women at rock and just women fronted and my, doing my own thing, which is just female fronted. Um, I've been just seeing a lot more of that as opposed to being in other projects and like seeing all the hardcore dudes and you know, feeling like I have to overcompensate for you know not having having the balls. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean like because I've, I've told this story before. I played at the knitting factory a long time ago when it was in New York City and I played a battle of bands and I got there and I was in a band with two other girls, or one other girl, two girls in the band. And we walked in with our instruments, and we were told by the chick at the front, like, you know, bands only. Like, if you're somebody's girlfriend, like, wait outside. And, like, this is a girl telling me this. And uh, I haven't seen that or been in that position in a long time. So it's a, it's, it's been better. That's, that's why I call my blog, Is Your Boyfriend in the Band? It's better to just put it out there and be open about those things than to be like almost ashamed of them. Cause it's, I think at one, at some point we have to be like, okay, we're all experiencing this. They're all, you could call that like a very small microaggression, but if we're all experiencing it, like it's really powerful to just say like, that's shitty. Yeah, it's shitty. And I love, like, what I love also about putting on Women Rock shows is, like, the entire bill is filled with women. So it's no longer about, like, how does this woman kind of measure up to all the dudes on stage? It's just, like, what is your music? And how, like, I feel like, you know, the girls then find their value from being awesome rather than from, like, being a girl.
we get in this like tongue-tied situation where we don't want to talk just about like female-led and like like that's some sort of genre it's not like that's just a woman being that's just a person being a musician and yet if we don't talk about it and we don't level the playing field like you're doing then we're back at square one so it's like this weird dance that I feel like in the next five years is going to get worked out where we're no longer going to be saying female-fronted punk band or female-fronted rock band or you know, queer this, queer that, like, it's just going to have to become like, you know, well, maybe that's too much to ask for because that may actually be quite a ways off. Actually, <laughs> we live on the coasts, so we, we feel like the progressive stuff is happening so quickly. But if you go to middle America and you go to like, you know, the South, that's not happening. So totally, totally. We're in the best, we're in the best two possible places for, you know, marginalized groups pretty much yeah. pretty much yeah. so do you have any events that you're coming up that you want to plug in november we have two women at rock events as well um we're supporting liza colby sound at the kickoff show of her residency at berlin um on november 6th and then we also have a big another big show at the knitting factory on the 29th of november um with i actually just confirmed starbenders is headline awesome so cool. yeah, it's like a really packed next few months. Oh my god. Yeah. So the only thing left to really tie up is when we trade lives, as we've talked about, yes. you come out to California and hang out with the chickens, and I come out to New York, and you're in Brooklyn, yes. and eat avocado toast, or I guess I'm eating avocado toast, whatever you're doing out there. Um, <laughs> will, will we bring our dogs with us, or will I get that dog and you get my dog? Well, I mean, you're looking like, aren't you? I don't know if you're going to be, be, like, spectating this whole time silently. Um, well, here's the thing. Like, I would love nothing more than to house swap, but then, like, you won't be there to hang out with me there, and I won't be here to hang out with you here. So I feel like we have to, like, just find a way to, like, visit each other. There's so several problems. They're involved, and so that all of the avocado toast is involved. Yes, because, let's be real, we're both eating avocado toast. Right. And I will also say that I tried to convince Caitlin last year to go with me for Halloween as yeah. avocado toast. Like, that was my costume plan, and she wouldn't do it with me. She, she wanted me to be a piece of toast. She was like, you need a toast, I'll be the vibrant green avocado. Sexy. It kind of works, though. I mean, you are the one in the room, like, noodling away for, like, six hours. Yeah. And she's, like, the cream... She's, like, spreading her creamy deliciousness all over town, so... Yeah. It's way more social, like, the avocado. You're way toastier. You know? You're know. you a foundation. Caitlin, you're the foundation. You're the rock. I'm right. the rock. You're the... Uh, you're the rock. toast rock. You're yeah. toast rock. So, you know, avocado toast has a whole story with us. Um, so, my husband and I, we went as chicken and waffles one year. It's so good. Oh, were you the chicken? Oh, come on. I'm the fucking chicken. <laughs> he was like, I'm a waffle. So, I think it just goes to show couples' costumes always, like, are unequal. Like, one of the costumes always sucks. So, right. you'll be okay. Um, but, yes, I we will come out. The plan is to come out... Um, in uh, the spring to come out to the Midwest and possibly hit a couple East Coast states. Yes! That would be cool. Um, and you're always welcome, both of you and the little one, to come out to California. Come stay in our chicken shack, so. Oh my God, it looks like a dream. It seriously looks, and I feel like I'm already, friend like I just know you already. Yeah, wait, 
we're, we're tight. Yeah. So I have to tell you before we sign off the other day, or it was yesterday actually, I went to feed the chickens and I opened the trash can where we keep the chicken food and I open it and a chicken fucking jumps out at my face. She, she was inside the trash can, you guys. So that the, these are the shenanigans that you can get yourself into. Like things get real wild. It's like I Love Lucy episode up in here. Oh my God. <laughs> well, we're planning hopefully like in the colder months of this year. Like I'm thinking maybe like, February-ish to head out to California. Yes. I love it. Make a stop to visit with you. Make a stop. We're right. We're lo located conveniently between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Right on the coast. That's amazing. We can make our way if we go skiing. Yeah, we talk about like a bi-coastal future. Yeah. So, you know. You're definitely bi-coastal and bi-toastal. Yes, I And with that, we will. Oh, there's one last thing. How could I forget? Uh, obviously, the title of the podcast is Sparkle and Destroy, and it's. I don't have to tell you what that means. Sparkle hard, destroy harder. Both of those things go together in my world. And I wonder if you have any tips um, or a tip, a single sign off message for people that are, uh, you know, looking to go down that path. No. Uh, you go first. No, wait. No, you go first. What? <laughs> it's funny. All I could think of when you were saying that is that I'm the sparkle and you are the destroyer. I'm, that's exactly like, right. Like, that is exactly right. That's how I like. Um, but, and, and, it's but, so true. I think, like, fine, you know, for me, the biggest thing I've taken away from this past year is, like, that finding something that I love makes everything feel better, you know? And so it's, like, I think a lot of people hold back from pursuing their music or hold back from a certain goal or hold back from going as hard as they want to yeah. um, because of fear or because of, you know, excuses. And I think that, like, you know, sort of carpe DMing and, like, taking the plunge and taking a risk, like, always pays off. Even if it doesn't go the way that you want it to go, you still have, like, made the effort and it's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, Car Carpe, Carpe DM me. Right. Carpe, Carpe DM, DM me. Oh my God, it's too much. Okay. Too many puns. <laughs> Carpe <laughs> DM me. And you, any other advice? No, that was actually pretty amazing. And you summed it up pretty perfectly. Just go for it. Because well, I'm the sparkle. Right, and I'm the destroy. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. And there you have it, folks. Another one for the books. You just heard Monty, M-O-N-T-E, playing um, uh, Take Me Seriously. <laughs> Very aptly um, titled. Uh, before that, in the, in the intro, you heard Dead Man's Shuffle. You also heard Bitch after that. And then you heard Not Today. Go find Monty's music. That's Caitlin's band, Monty, online, um, on Spotify, on Bandcamp, all the places you find music. And also go to her website, uh, montyofficial.com. Um, as for Andy's website, Women That Rock, it's womenthatrock.com. But you really ought to be following her on Instagram because that is where she really lives and thrives and celebrates all sorts of amazing artists. Um, I find out about tons of cool artists through her Instagram account on her daily posts. So please go support that and go support the events that she's doing this month in New York. 
All right, my friends, thank you again for listening. Thank you so much just for um, your continued listenership. That sounds really cheesy, but I do hear from some of you now and then, and it does really make my day. If you want to make my day, you can email me at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Haley Crusher or Haley and the Crushers. Um, And I will see you next time. Sparkle hard.